people that lend me the money, they would love for me to bend over backwards to make these payments to go homeless in order to make the payment. But if I don't make the payment, they're still gonna talk to me. They're still gonna work it out. And I think that a lot of students think that in the back of their head, I don't think they, they really believe this, but they are afraid that, that Uncle Sam is gonna come down and put them in prison and change their lives if they don't get this student loan debt handled. This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will help you escape the Wall Street casino and build wealth on Main Street by investing in real estate. I'm your host, Taylor Lode, and today our guest is Glenn Dunsweiler. This is a bit of a different one. This is a different topic than we normally address. Glenn is on a mission to teach students about business and entrepreneurship. He's going to tell you, he's going to teach us about his formative experiences that showed him that he didn't understand how business and entrepreneurship worked. And he was seeing that demonstrated in his students at the time that put him on a mission to help others, particularly students and young people learn about how business and entrepreneurship works. So today we learn about his mission, lessons that he learned along the way, and how folks who are a little bit older, like me and like many of you out there listening, how we can help younger generations, younger people learn about how business and entrepreneurship work so that they can make really informed decisions that also work financially as far as their futures go. Because there are a lot of young folks these days getting into college programs, spending all this money, but not considering the dollars and cents of everything, particularly in the long run, like maybe they get loans in the short term, but then they don't know how they're going to pay those back on the back end, or they're just going to college without a plan at all. And Glenn is on a mission to help those young people get a better result and put themselves in a better position. So great one is a little bit different than what we normally talk about, but I really support this mission and I'm glad he's out there working on it. I'm your host, Taylor Lode. I'm a real estate investor, and I help busy people passively invest in commercial real estate. If you'd like to learn more about what we do, just go to investwithtaylor.com, fill out the form and schedule a call, and we will look forward to speaking with you soon. If you're an Apple Podcasts user and you enjoy the show, please take a moment and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind. I appreciate that so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys, that gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street casino along with us. Once again, our guest today is Glenn Dunsweiler, and he is on a mission to help students and young people learn about how business and entrepreneurship works. Without any further ado, here we go. Glenn, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So for our listeners out there who don't know about you and your background, can you tell us about what you do and, and how you're out there teaching students about entrepreneurship? Sure. So I define myself as a filmmaker, producer, and social entrepreneur. And what we're going to be talking about today is the my social entrepreneurship side of it. One of the things that really inspires me are stories of people coming from situations of of not having and finding ways to have, finding ways to succeed. And this started me, my social entrepreneurship started in 2008 with the housing crisis. My bank told me that they weren't going to be able to talk to me until I stopped paying them. And that was when I got cut back <laughs> at work. And then I just thought, whoa, what my, my world view of how the world worked and how my dad taught me the world worked of being responsible 
got turned upside down in 2008. I just thought, well, what's going on? There's obviously I'm playing a game that I don't understand. And so part of that was really launched me into my social entrepreneurship. It's like, what? Because middle-class homeowners were going homeless. It was like, why? how the American dream promise had been completely turned upside down. I thought, wait, what, what's going on? <laughs> and so I started finding out. And then that, that pushed me into finding out who homeless people were, how they got there, and how they, they, what the problems were once you became homeless, and how the, the successful ones got out. And so made a documentary about homelessness across the U.S., and then wrote a book called Things I Learned from the Homeless. And then once I moved, I was teaching at universities up until 2015. And as we were talking earlier, I was one of those people that went directly from school to teaching at universities. Mm -hmm. I had no, no idea of how business worked. And because I was a filmmaker, because I'd made this documentary, because I was a creative, I realized I had to learn business because you're making a product and you're trying to figure out how to sell this product. And I no longer wanted to teach at a university. I no longer wanted to be an employee. So I moved to Los Angeles and I started learning all these entrepreneurial skills. And when I was teaching, I'd have juniors and seniors who are about to graduate. And I taught in the theater department, right? Talk about a, a, a hard major to try to transition into providing value for someone that is willing to pay you for it. That's a really hard business model. So I didn't have answers for them because they were freaking out. How am I going to make money? And then when I started talking to people in Los Angeles, I said, it was, how do you make money? How do you make money? How do you make money? Just completely ignorant. I would go to networking events and I was just the guy that asked the hard question. I didn't have anything to lose. I needed to find out. And so I ended up learning all of these entrepreneurial skills. And then I decided, hey, again, part of this social entrepreneurship, I need to be a part of the solution. And as students, as we're setting them up to fail, we're setting them up to tell them that, that once you get a degree, that is an automatic key to financial stability for the rest of your life, which is absolutely untrue. Mm -hmm. Instead of setting them up and helping them set up to fail, I want to be part of the solution of getting them skill, getting them the skills they need, getting them the mind shift they need in order to be an entrepreneur when they need to be. And the thing that I focus on my book, A Degree in Homelessness, Entrepreneurial Skills for Students, is this idea that, you know, you can be an employee, but in this world, maybe you're a little bit of an employee for some people. Maybe you're a little bit of an entrepreneur and a small business person for another party. Because the model that you are going to get a job and a good job that then you, you work for 30 years in until you retire is not necessarily the reality. and I don't want to short people. I want to give them the full reality of possibilities. Funny part, people read the, the title and they think that I'm telling them not to go to universities, not to go to colleges. But the book is broken down into the first part is how to have a successful education, whatever that education is, even if it's a YouTube education or if it's a junior college or if it's a trade school or if it's a certification or if it's a university. You know, just know what leverage you can pull out of that education. And then the second part of the book are all the entrepreneurial skills, you know, like what, what is money? How do you use it? You know, business is not the devil, the myth of the sleazy car salesman, you know, like <laughs> all of that stuff. How do you provide value? And one last thing, I'm, I know I'm long-winded, but this is a funny story. I promise. I promise. This is a funny story. So my grandfather was a business person, but he did not tell me how the business stuff worked. And he always said, you have to pay yourself first. You have to pay yourself first. I didn't know what that meant. 
So when I was 19, I bought a Harley Davidson and I was so proud. <laughs> I went to my grandpa and I said, look, grandpa, I paid myself first. And he said, that's not what it means. And to pay yourself first is to make sure that you have funds when you can no longer make now money. When you are not able to make the money that you need to at the moment, you have some resources, some things set up, you and your and you're set up a, a passive income. You have something that pays you when you can't pay yourself in the now. And that I didn't learn that until 2015, man. <laughs> well, you're you're here now. And to me, it you know, I always thought about the the money aspect of things when I was making decisions from early on. I went to college for chemical engineering and I picked that for two reasons. I picked it because I thought I'd be reasonably interested in the topic. I'm kind of a nerd. And then also chemical engineering tends to pay well. And I thought about the money. I thought about the dollars. Maybe that's just, you know, kind of my my natural smart formulation. But it's it's honestly surprising to me that so many people of of my generation, I'm a millennial, I'm in my 30s. Surprise, surprise, millennials. We're in our 30s and 40s now. We're not teenagers anymore. But sure, sure. my generation, Gen Z. Many are not thinking about the financial aspect of their maybe formal or informal education at all. It's just, I want to chase my quote unquote passion without thinking about the money behind it. And and I'd imagine it sounds like the theater department, you know, unsurprisingly is probably kind of rife with with that kind of thinking for for want of a better phrase. Yeah. And it it not necessarily just the money aspect. I try to expand people to their sustainability, right? I think that. People, if you have the connections, if you have the network of people that you want to work with, if you know how to convey your value to people, even if you don't work in theater and you get a theater degree, you're probably really good at public speaking. Mm. You're probably, if you're a performer, right? Or if you're into technical theater, you're probably pretty good at systems. So you have to figure out, and you're definitely good at deadlines. That's one thing that theater people live on deadlines. So they understand in their bones, you know, the show goes up on this date at this hour, no excuses. And they are the best people to do that, but they don't know how to convey that to other employers. And they also are other businesses. And they also don't open their minds up to other possibilities. I think that they are so, we are trained in performing arts to think of one, poverty is legitimacy right? If you're a starving artist, you're doing it right. Mm -hmm. And then it's for the art. And in fact, we get into like industrial design and people kind of poo-poo the industrial designers. They say you sold out, right? That whole idea of selling out. And it's just opening your mind up to, hey, maybe you can't, maybe you give it a shot to be a paid actor at this repertory theater that pays you this much money. And maybe it's enough of a living in the city that you live in. But if it's not, what are you going to do? How can you spin what you've got into something else? And I think, you know, engineers, have this, people from the STEM fields have an easier time fulfilling the promise that once they get a degree, they will get a well-paying job that will sustain them throughout their life in one way or another. Arts and humanities, not so much. But then there are even people in the STEM fields who just burn out, right? Mm -hmm. I'm tired of designing LEDs. I don't <laughs> want to do this anymore. Yes, it pays really well, but what else is out there? And so those people 
find my book or they find you, they think, oh, real estate. Okay. I can see how that could work. And then, but I don't have enough money. Well, and then forgive me for my terms. So it's like a mutual fund for real estate investors, right? Something like that, where you, where multiple people can buy into certain properties or different investment tools, right? And so you start learning investment. So that's what I'm pushing for. So I'm pushing for no matter what your passion is, figure out how you can give joy to others and how they would be willing to pay you for it. Nice. Okay. Okay. I like that. And I wonder, you know, I know we have a lot of folks out there who are parents who have, you know, kids who are in Gen Z, maybe they're looking at going to college. I've had conversations with several of you out there who are in that position. And I'd like to to learn what, what we can learn as, you know, I'm in my 30s, I hate to say I'm older, but as older people trying to teach a younger generation about money, about creating value, about creating marketability is a big term, you know, because the the degree that I got, frankly, it made me marketable. It gave me marketable skills that I could go to somebody and say, hey, I can do this for you. It's funny you say about, I got, you got sick of designing LEDs. That was my first job as part of my job was designing LEDs. So there's no reason you would have. Really? Wow. (laughs) Funny coincidence. But, you know, what can we as quote, older people who have more experience in the market, you know, help teach younger people? How can we help spread this message of, creating value for others as a way to you know, support ourselves financially. Yeah. And I think that how we say you know, young people will not listen to you. They're not necessarily ready <laughs> for that. That yeah. it's just not I, I always I say entrepreneurial skills are like vegetables. You know, you maybe from 18 to 24, 16 to 24, you can get by on Burger King and fast food and your body doesn't care. It just burns it and you're fine. But you learned about carrots in elementary school and you learned about celery, you learned about salad. So when you hit 25 and you start getting indigestion and your body doesn't respond so well in the morning, you think, oh man, those carrots. I remember carrots. <laughs> to get this, maybe I'm trying to get those carrots. I think that's what entrepreneurial skills are. And I think that's what the, the things that you're trying to do. You know, you can only put it out there. And we also have to find a way to convey our value to people who maybe don't find value in our message right now. And so I'm constantly finding when I was started to do public speaking for this book, I thought, okay, my my main my main audience is going to be colleges, but college kids don't want to hear this. And colleges, I walk around with a book that says a degree in homelessness. Do you think <laughs> any university is ever going to let me in their doors? Probably not. No. But what I found is there are plenty of high school instructors that are looking to give business skills to their students because they see the writing on the wall. And they also want to, they want to prepare their students, not just for the university train, which is the easy train to put them on, right? We've got a whole marketing campaign for that. So here in Los Angeles, I found a nonprofit that is looking for business education in high schools. And then that I, that's how I started doing public speaking for this book. And, you know, I come from a theater background. So, and, and a rock and roll background. I was a drummer in a rock band. So I know, I know how to be interesting, right? <laughs> and, and pull things out of people. And, and that's, an entertainment background, that that stuff is hugely valuable in communication. So if you learn how to communicate that, you know, Glenn's the wild and crazy guy, you know, 
that talks about entrepreneurial skills or whatever. You know, I have a I have a real ability to connect with people eye to eye, no matter where they are in the social scale. You know, they could be homeless people, they could be the president of the United States. They're just, I'm just locked in and step with them. So those are the tools that I have to get to the younger generation, to the kids, those crazy kids, right? And then at the end of my presentation, I also, when I was in high school, I had my sister with a hairspray, my hair straight up in the air. And it was about, I had long hair. So I had about a foot and a half of hair just up top. And I took that picture and I put that picture at the end of the presentation. And I say, why? And I asked them, I said, well, why did I put that up there? They laugh first. <laughs> That's crazy. But they say, look, I was you too, right? I mean, I know, I know your concern in high school, 18, 22, 20, whatever, you're, you're just trying to figure life out. You're trying to figure out someone's always got some exam that's due. You've always got some class to go to. You're trying, your body is always changing. You've got these hormone things. You always are concerned with the boy or girl or whoever in class and you're concerned with them away from class and you're trying to figure out dating stuff. Why would you want to listen to a 48 year old, right? Because I've been there and, and I speak to their experiences as well. And so I think if, if we can put it in relation to what they're going through now, you know, I always say student loan forgiveness. That's great. Are you going to wait for someone? Are you going to wait 10 years for student loan forgiveness before you can move on with your life? Or are you just going to start now? Because we don't have debtor's prison for a reason. People need you to make money. So how are you going to make money? And then that's kind of an end to people that are really focused on getting their student loan debt forgiven. One of the things I found out in w- when I got cut back at work and wasn't going to be able to make my mortgage, no one cared as much as I did. <laughs> that's true. The, the people that lend me the money, they would love for me to bend over backwards to make these payments to go homeless in order to make the payment. But if I don't make the payment, they're still going to talk to me. They're still going to work it out. And I think that a lot of students think that in the back of their head, I don't think they they really believe this, but they are afraid that that Uncle Sam is going to come down and put them in prison and change their lives if they don't get this student loan debt handled. You know, I was just talking to, so I, I, I was fortunate. I took out, I went to the Midwest for, for graduate school. So I only took out $40,000 to, to go to all the grad school instead of staying in California on the West Coast where I'd have to pay, you know, go to CalArts and $150,000 or whatever. And I diligently paid that loan for years till 2015. And then I had to change my life. And then, I, so I'm just in constant negotiation. I, you know, now it's back up. I still owe 40,000. I took these loans out in 2000, but I'm still talking to them. I'm still, cause it's not my priority, right? Mm-hmm. I got, I'll, I'll figure it out. No one's, and I'll, I'll, I'll pay you. We'll pay you. Charge me $60,000. I'll get there, but you're not putting me in prison. I'm just moving forward with my life. And I think that way you can also connect with Gen Z and younger millennials. Gotcha. Okay. So it's a lot of, this might be tougher for parents because parents are always going to be perceived by a certain, in, in a certain way by their own kids. You're not going to change your kid's perception of you to, Hey, I was like you once. Like, no, you've always been dad. That's just who you are. So right. it might be easier or more straightforward for a third party in making this, providing these lessons to get that perception that, hey, they were once like me and I can learn these lessons from. Yeah. And one of the things that I say to parents when I propose my book for them to give to their kid, so I say, you read it and, and they read it. You read it together. You go through it together. 
my I, I had friends that had engineering parents and insisted that their kids go to engineering school, even though they liked fine art, right? So hard, heavy-handed parenting. And then I had parents, friends growing up that were follow your passion, do whatever you want, right? And then the problem is then you follow your passion straight to work at Taco Bell because you have nothing. That's right. That's right. You don't know how to convey your, your, your value. So I said, instead of being a parent that says, no, you can't get a theater degree or you have to get an engineering degree or you have to be a doctor, buy them into the dialogue. Hey, strategize. Okay. If, we're, if you're going to go to Yale, if you insist on going to Yale, why are you going to Yale? And it better be for the network of, of, of people that will be paying you a lot of money once you're out of Yale, because you're going to have to pay for that marketing price that Yale puts on, on their degree, right? That's a, what, a $400,000 degree, half a million dollar degree for an undergrad. How are you, what's the strategy? And it may be worth it for you. Hey, look, I'm going to Yale so I can get hooked into the DC crowd so I can be a senator, so I can write whatever that is. But work the strategy through with your kid. Make, give, it an, give them an opportunity. Use your podcast, an episode of your podcast. Use my book as an opportunity to have a discussion, a strategy discussion with your child, even though you may be in over your head too. But let's say if you're a, uh, a parent that never went to college, that is working at a cleaners or is working at Taco Bell, you have life knowledge, have pride in yourself. You, you're helping to guide your student, so your, your kid. So have this discussion, learn together, you know, talk about it. And I think that's a, a way in as well. And I, I purposely made my book very short. So you, and it's also very directed. So you could read one chapter, it'll take you. I think my, my stepdaughter read it and she read it in an hour and a half, just sitting down, 90 minutes front to back. But I wrote it in the way, so you could take a chapter a day, a chapter a week, and just kind of talk about that. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a five minute reading. It's a 10 minute reading and then have a discussion or pick parts. Right. So, you know, talk about my, one of my chapters is the myth of the sleazy salesman. Let's talk about salesmen, read the, read the chapter. And then let's talk about why it's good for us. We, we feel it's good to buy things, but we feel that selling things is the, the nasty thing to do, right? To get over that selling stuff. And we don't like people selling stuff. We like buying stuff. Oh man, <laughs> we can buy stuff. That's amazing. Great. But selling. Ugh. Nice. That's great. I love it. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. The first step to growing your wealth is tracking your wealth, income, spending, and everything else about your finances. You can start tracking your wealth for free and get six free months of wealth advisory with personal capital by going to escapingwallstreet.com and using our link. Create your free account today and automate the way you track your money. Personal capital is my preferred way to track my finances, and now we're making that available for listeners. Terms and conditions apply. See the personal capital website for details. Once again, to get the offer, go to escapingwallstreet.com and use our link. Back to the show. All right, Glenn, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? Yes. Great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? I might need, I might not need that caveat with you. You probably have some other ones, but that would put it Yeah. In yeah. The best investment I ever made was was actually in myself. Was all of the entrepreneurs that I met in Los Angeles say, "What's wrong with you, man? Why can't you make money?" 
And it's a mental thing. So my business coach and so my friends, my other entrepreneurial friends who are all into learning about themselves first so then they can better communicate their worth and their value to the world. That is the best investment I ever made because I didn't know myself until 2015. Wow. Starting starting in 2015, right? I'm still learning. Great. Got to keep learning. I love it. We had the best investment. Then we go to the other side of that coin, the worst investment. What is the worst investment you made? Yeah, it was buying my house in 2006, man. Because I didn't know the game. I got swept in. You know, I was one of those barely eligible people. Like, oh, you teach at a university? Yeah, you should totally buy this house. And so that that led me led me to where I am today. But man, that was rough. That was rough. I believe it. My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? Yeah, it's defining value and being able to convey that and really always asking yourself, what value am I giving and why would people be willing to give me money for that? Whatever that is, if it's a product, if it's service, because that's the heart of it. Someone, you're, you're trading joy for something. And once I keyed into that, oh, I could sell anything. I mean, not me personally, maybe, but- Anybody can sell anything because it's what's your joy. Define your joy and figure out who's willing to pay what for that. Nice, nice. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you for everything you're out there doing and teaching young people and students about business and entrepreneurship. If folks want to reach out, if they want to get in touch with you, if they want to find any of your content or anything like that, where can they track you down? Yeah, so spelling my last name is the doozy. But once you can spell it, you can easily find me. So it's Glenn with one N and then Dunsweiler, D-U-N-Z-W-E-I-L-E-R. My website, glendunsweiler.com. If you type in even either the movie Why Homeless on Amazon Prime or Things I've Learned from the Homeless is a book I've written or uh, A Degree in Homelessness, Entrepreneurial Skills for Students. If you type that into a search engine, you will find me. Awesome. Well, thank you once again for joining us today. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind. I appreciate that so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys. That gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street casino along with us. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Right now, I hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you in the next one. Bye-bye.